It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, let's get the swap cast started here, shall we? All right. Come on up, guys. Here comes George from MMA Junkie. Demetrius Johnson, the flyweight champion of the world, is here. Here comes Adam Hunter from MMA Roasted. Get this thing out of the way. Oh, we are going to confuse the sound man. Oh, hold on. Hold on. I think we're good. Okay, we got actually, this is the seating order. We're good. Everybody, let's move up, shall we? Let's move up a little bit. I had this all staged better last time, but we, we didn't have anybody making their stand-up debut. So, uh, okay, well, listen, before we get to uh, uh, topics of the day, how do you feel? <laughs> Not too bad. A little bit of a mental blunder there in the middle, but uh, I think I relied on the, uh, the friendliness of the crowd to go ahead and let me get away with it. Uh, I think that uh, I have an unfair advantage. I'm almost like the CM Punk now of uh, oh, comedy. Oh, <laughs> We're... Uh, I'm given a little bit of leeway, uh, whereas a lot of guys like uh, Richard and stuff, or uh, yourself, that starting off, uh, you know, have to grind it out, and there's going to be no mercy. Hey, give yourself a little more credit than that. All right, Adam, your professional critique here. I thought Frank did great, honestly. I thought he was great. Uh, I was very, very impressed. I've seen so many comics do their first show ever, and for a first show, that was unbelievable. Uh, it was very personal. You, you actually made everything about you. You didn't like try to do these crazy observations. It was all stuff that only Frank Meir can talk about. And I thought that was that was really amazing. It showed how much you love your wife and your kids. It was very, it was great. It was I was very very impressed. You went from joke to joke to joke. You didn't sweat, and uh, I thought you did a great job. Yeah. Thanks, man. So basically, he stayed away from everything that you hate about my set because I think the critique <laughs> you gave me was, I think that was everything you hated. Uh, you guys know George from MMA Junkie. He kicked it off, and uh, Demetrius Johnson, of course, uh, Mighty Mouse is here. How you doing, Mighty Mouse? I just saw today that uh, you will be working on the night of December the 3rd. That is correct. That's so. how you fighters do it. You have like three days a year you work. Yeah, it's a great gig. It's a very great gig. It, it pays the bills, and I'm looking forward to December 3rd. Yeah. Now, you and uh, it's no coincidence that we got Mighty Mouse on the show tonight because uh, Frank and Demetrius have embarked on this very unlikely friendship. I'm not sure who gets stranger looks when Frank brings his friends out, when he's hanging out with me or when he's hanging out with Demetrius. Because me, they just assume I'm Frank's dealer. But with Demetrius, <laughs> with Demetrius, they're just struck by the, you know, the visual uh, disproportion or whatever. I like to imagine them as like an unlikely crime-fighting duo that... Uh, <laughs> You know, whenever it's like uh, like Scooby-Doo scenarios, they have to get through a locked door, so Frank lifts Demetrius up, and he goes through the air duct and comes out on the other side, you know? But then they need speed advantage. That's where Demetrius comes in. How did you guys meet originally? Uh, we've, um, we've actually worked on a couple of things together. We worked on the Harley-Davidson shoot before. Uh, our, and we also did a ice skating rink above, what was that, the Cosmo, I believe it was? The Cosmo, I believe it was. Um, the wife hit it off, and then we went out to, me and my wife went out to Mexico, Cabo. Oh, yeah, Cabo. Cabo right. was good. We met some of their good friends, Elaine and uh, Ray, and then saw Frank Mirror, and he likes beer. I like beer. Wives get along. I mean, you can't, you know, 
I know sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's, what are you saying right there is the most important aspect of it. If our wives didn't get along, we wouldn't get to talk. Yeah, I'm like, all right, Frank, hey, man, it's good to see you, man. You know, the wife, you know, that put my foot down, ain't going to work today, so I got to go with her. Yeah, apparently there's been some bad experiences in the Mirror Catalog, because I got that same talk. When, when we all hung out the first time, did the couples thing, and I brought my girlfriend, and Frank was like, oh, my God, whew, what a relief. They're friends. Look at them. Look at them. They're getting along like they've known each other their whole lives. Oh, trust me. It doesn't always go that way. That was good. So when you guys, let's check this out, guys. You know, you, you, maybe everybody has those stories about, you know, what a small world it is, and you can't believe you ran into somebody in the most un, unlikely places. He just mentioned this Cabo trip. So I'm I'm home one weekend. It wasn't that long ago, I don't think. No, it was actually uh, for my birthday. Uh, back Raymond in May. And, uh, yeah, and they're actually here. Yeah. Uh, See, that's what best friends do. They know yeah. each other's birthdays. Oh yes, in May. Yeah, it was May. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they actually was just right after uh, some bad news that I had gotten, and so uh, I didn't want to leave the house, and they insisted on me going out there. So you might have read the blogs. Yeah. So uh, we were down there in uh, Cabo. Yeah, so, so, so there, and I knew he was down there because we weren't taping the podcast for a few days and everything. And, uh, and Demetrius, you text me and you say, hey, can you shoot me Frank's number? And I said, yeah. I said, he's in Mexico though, so I don't know if the phone's working down there. Man, I get to you for a few days. And he goes, no, I'm in Mexico. I just ran into him on the beach and I need to text him from one end of the beach to the other. That's very random. <laughs> Try and stay connected. You would run into each other. Adam. What did you think of the UFC 202 press conference yesterday? Uh, I thought you were great. Thank uh, you. I, it was, um, I thought it was, you know what, it was crazy. It, it made me excited about the fight. I, I hate to say it, but it, it got me wet. I wasn't even there. And, um, <laughs> but it was, it was one of those things where I think Conor felt like he, the first fight, he did too much press. And this one, he hasn't done a lot of press. So it's sort of, I mean, there's a buzz, but it wasn't like as big of a buzz as the first time. And I think that was something that kind of like, oh yeah, this is gonna be really funny again. Uh, I wasn't sure why Nate Diaz left. I know he was annoyed that Connor came late, Yeah. but then why did he just get up and leave and then the whole bottle, and then Jake Shields threw a coffee, which I thought was pretty funny. Everyone yeah. was showing, throwing water bottles and Shields was like, fuck Starbucks. And, uh, <laughs> Jake Shields had a latte. Je I mean, there's no question. I'll tell Jake you, though, Connor's got an arm. I got to give him credit. Yeah. I mean, he could play for the Browns right now. I know they need a fucking... Though if uh, you get fined for, uh, you know, throwing a shoe at a press conference, I can't wait to find out what the fine is going to be for this one. Yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, it, it, everybody saw this. If anybody didn't see this, there was a press conference yesterday uh, for UFC 202, the fight this weekend at T-Mobile on Saturday night. Uh, Connor McGregor and Nate Diaz in their rematch. These two don't get along. And uh, so we go to the press conference. I'm, you know, part of the media, uh, like, like George. And so we, we assemble and we're, we're waiting there to ask our questions. And uh, Conor McGregor is, is very late. He's very, very late. And they go ahead and start without him. And uh, it's, it's going. And then he shows up and he sits down. And about five minutes after he sits down, Nate Diaz just decides he's going to get up and walk <laughs> off. But the problem is when Nate Diaz goes somewhere, 20 people wearing the same T-shirt have to follow. It's like it's not a simple process. It's not like, hey, honey, I'm going to pull the car around. It's like, hey, will you start passing the word down the line that we're all going? And so they all have to get up and move. And they make a lot of noise when they do. And next thing I knew... Uh, bottles, uh, uh, fortunately plastic bottles of water and monster energy drink cans. I mean, there was product placement that is the official energy drink of the UFC <laughs> were being hurled at various media members' heads. So, they got uh, fined by Reebok for not throwing Reebok water. Right, you know? yes. Uh, but you know what, though? Uh, 
on seriousness, though, I actually thought it was actually, uh, as far as on Diaz's part, a pretty smart move. Here you have Conor McGregor, who's very used to, at this point, gaining momentum by having a psychological edge over his opponents with any kind of his antics and controlling. So by him showing up an hour late to the press conference, he's trying to show everybody, and Nate in particular, who the man is, who's in charge. So he struts in with his ego, sits down, and then mid-question while he's talking, I think that it threw a chink, you know, threw a monkey wrench in the mechanics of his mind. He's like, oh shit, what's going on? These guys are leaving. And his only retort was to just get pissed off and start chucking shit and get angry. You know, everybody gets up and leaves and it just kind of clowned him. I thought on the DS part of the camp, I mean, they're tough guys, but I don't think many times do I say that they make a smart move, but pretty smart move. But it's See, crazy I, just, though, it's like I, just, I just get passive aggressive. You know, yeah. I don't throw things back. I just look at you and go, well, I'm sorry to see that you cannot control your temper. But it, but it is kind of sad, though. Like, you never see, like, like, Demetrius Johnson, who's the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world right now, you don't see you and John Dawson throwing Capri Suns at each other. You know, and, um, <laughs> like, this... I mean, it, it's all, I mean, I, I think, Frank, hit on it. it's all about psychological warfare. You know, Conor McGregor's used to being the hype train going to these fights. He's used to having that that went up, or like the show starts when I get here. There's, there's, there's a McGregor show in town. There. The traffic was a little, he has that, you know, that aura about him. Even in today with the open workouts, when he's answering the question, he's moving back and forth. It's almost like a crack guy. He's like, I just can't wait to get my fix when I get out of here. And I'm like, when I see it, I'm like, dude, you're emotionally attached to this fight. Now you're emotionally invested into it instead of like, I'm a go-on-air, calm, collective, be light on my feet, not make the same mistakes I did last time. I don't see that at him. I see him fucking pissed. And, well, and yeah. I think the reason why he has to be such a psychological, uh, uh, he's very good at it. But I also think that the things that I've seen in his last fights, and you know, that last fight with Nick, you know, or Nate, I'm looking at it, I'm like, wow, bro, the minute the choke was on your neck, you were tapping like a, you know, I'm like you know it's kind of sad the, the girl before you actually went to sleep in the choke you know what I mean like but uh so but I mean so I don't think that as far as mental toughness I don't think he has that wait a minute so what? I think as far as fighting back I don't see it I think he's a front runner that if he crushes you in the first round I mean he is he's a very good athlete very strong he's like a lion Frank but, you, you know, nailed it lions you, don't like to fight off their back that, he plays the mental warfare game and it's the party doesn't start until he gets there and the Diaz brothers flipped the script. I think it was yeah. premeditated. Gilbert Melendez was on our show today, and he had that, you know, that sly smile, like they were up to something. <laughs> and so the party may start when you get there, but it ends when we leave. Right. And so that uh. messed with Connor. The f bombs were flowing. You could just see he was chewing the gum. Yeah, no, it rattled you know him. I, mean? I he, think he just really looked Nate, like he was rattled. The, I think the camp definitely got an edge on him mentally in that. But, uh, but Frank and Demetrius, yeah, I know, uh, you know, us three being fighters on the stage. Uh, um, <laughs> but now, did. Um, did that it's actually even funnier because there's only one of us at the moment that are fighting. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, did you guys ever get into fights where that has helped or hurt you getting too amped up or too emotional? Like, but, uh, yeah, oh, go ahead, man. I mean, you see me. I look like I smoked a joint half the time when I walk out to the fight. So <laughs> probably the opposite. I wish the guy would have insulted my wife or something, get a little amped up. And not me, man. I don't get emotionally attached. You know, I, I fought as an amateur out of emotion and it didn't work out for me. But for me, it's just. You know, two things are going to fucking happen. You're either going to win or lose. So once you realize that, and you just go out there and see what it does. Yeah, but yeah. you you have an infectious positive attitude. You I would I, you cannot be in a good mood. You cannot not be in a good mood around this guy. Like I would imagine if I no, it's true. I would imagine like if I were going to fight you and I walked up there with all this vibrato, I would walk be walking back going, he's like a really nice guy. <laughs> Yeah, I don't oh. know. I saw him kicking a dog in the back there, just so you guys know that. Oh. He was, uh, 
But to uh, actually, you know, to, to, to really just uh, springboard off of what uh, Demetrius is saying, uh, he's actually correct, you know, in that when you attach yourself emotionally to things, it could be good. You get the mount, you're like, man, I'm on top of somebody, fuck, I'm here, ah, right? <laughs> emotional attachment, you're, you know, because you're emotional in the fight. Guy ups and rolls and you're on the bottom, you're like, oh, fuck, shit, I just missed, you know? That wastes energy, it's fatiguing. So if, whether you mount somebody or they have you mount, is just a problem or you just, okay, well now I gotta go for this, well now I'm gonna set up, now I'm gonna hit him here, he's gonna lift up his hand up there, you know, oh shit, he's going for here, let me counter, oh, you know what, I think he's setting me up. The whole time you're keeping yourself clinical. I'll okay. tell you, not to pile on McGregor, but, uh, and by the way, it's safe to do because there's not many Irish here today, it's mostly a Diaz crowd. <laughs> but, not to pile on, but I was at the open workouts today and McGregor, the first thing out of him was fuck Diaz, fuck Nate Diaz, this and that. You can just tell it still carried over yeah. because of that one moment. Yeah. And even at the end, his coach came up to him, said something, and I think it, you know, you'd have to be an idiot not to read into it. They asked him something, he tried to do the drop the mic moment, fuck Nate Diaz, and walked off. Yeah, there's a bunch of momos sitting out there going, yeah, yeah, McGregor, but still, I believe Diaz is still winning the mental warfare and that it's in McGregor's head. I'll tell you the craziest thing about the, the, I thought the most overlooked thing about the press conference yesterday. Oh, by the way, before I forget, Frank, make a mental note. That, that uh, Holly Holm choke joke, that's got to go in your next stand-up set. That, how did that not make the set? That I remember. Awesome. Hey, babe. Yeah, it was an applause break. There. Uh, but to me, I thought the most overlooked thing about the press conference uh, yesterday was the befuddled look on Anthony Rumble Johnson and Glover Teixeira as they were standing there on the stage. Next to these two guys are fighting Saturday night. These giant light heavyweights standing there just told, I told uh, Frank and I talked to Rumble this morning and I told him, I said, you two guys look like uh, summer camp counselors at the boys club who had lost control of their field trip. And it's just like, he's looking at him, I thought you were going to watch him. Well, I thought you were supposed to be watching. Well, who's going to round him up now? Yeah. I think Rumble was pissed they weren't throwing milkshakes. <laughs> you know. So, Frank, by the way, were you, uh, we talked to you before, UFC 200. Were you surprised how, how well Brock did in that fight against Hunt? Actually, I was. I thought he was going to come out and fight like a mixed martial artist and... Uh he actually fought intelligently. He, he avoided striking whatsoever. So all the things we said he was afraid of, that he had no chin, didn't want to get hit, I was correct. It's just that I didn't realize that he was going to just completely out-wrestle uh, uh, Mark. And, you know, Mark Hunt, I, I didn't expect it either. Uh, it was basically a takedown, hold him down, and a type of match, which I thought was brilliant against Mark Hunt as opponent. Uh, but uh, in hindsight, I wouldn't have, you know, I didn't call that looking into it. Uh, had he exchanged a little bit, you know, I think he wouldn't have ever fixed the things he has a problem with. So it was a smart thing and saying, hey, look, I'm never going to be able to exchange blows with somebody. I'm, I'm too much of a chicken shit. But uh, I am an NCAA champion. I probably shoot and take him down and put him down. And, and he did. So, uh, hey, man, I, I was very impressed by a guy that caught me and fucking put me on my ass in three minutes, you know. Yeah, no, were you surprised about these uh, steroids afterwards? No, I remember sitting there. <laughs> Not that I want to throw things out there about Tess. I don't make accusations, but I'm like, man, fuck, he looks good. He is really <laughs> ripped right now. Like, <laughs> I need to get with his nutritionist, you know? Yeah. Did you give him any of your kangaroo meat before the hotel? No, <laughs> no it looks like a few times over he ran into it, so... Uh, <laughs> You want people to at least speculate. You know, I take my shirt off and people are just like, all natural. <laughs> That's that what I've always got for. The book. <laughs> now, uh, today it came out that John Jones was taking Cialis. They're saying it was boner pills. Uh, 
The really? Anderson Silva uh, defense? Really? Or is this no, I swear. No, not right. a bit. I'm the guy who will poke anything. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, no. Honestly, that's what they're saying. They're saying it was it was uh, Viagra, Cialis. That's what was tested. I mean, that's what they're saying. So he might get reinstated due to his uh, you know lack of boner. And uh, all right, time to pull back the curtain. So as I as I let me say yeah. one thing though. He may escape Usada, but he also has to deal with Nevada State Athletic Commission. So before anybody gets too excited. Well, yeah, not him, at no least, hurdles. you know. <laughs> but yeah. as far as I know, though, on a, a serious note, uh, Viagra, for example, I know is actually still illegal. It's on a banned control substance uh, because uh, of nitrogen retention. Uh, so as a football player and whatnot, you know, I, for a while they were trying to sit there and go, well, I'd have a prescription for uh, Viagra, and they, they cut that out. So I'm assuming USADA probably might have the same thing. All right, I got to pull back the curtain for a second. I told you guys, I, Demetrius and I carpooled over here, right? So we're in the car and we're talking about this John Jones Cialis rumor. He, br he brings up, and he and his wife Destiny are in the back seat, uh, right on cue, right? She goes, he goes, yeah. So that's you know the rumor Cialis, and his wife goes, what's Cialis? And I thought, yeah, Demetrius, <laughs> no fucking idea what Cialis is. And then she, and then we explain it, and she's like, now it does what? It's like for what? And my girlfriend's like, oh, it's for erectile dysfunction. It's like you, when you can't get going, you can't. I was like, shut up. But he, you're talking about looking like a pimp. He's like, yeah, keep explaining it. So uh, we better hope that John's wife knows what Cialis is. Yeah, I guess we better. <laughs> well, John's wife that's a hard explanation. Well, John's, John's wife knows that John's like to see Alice, actually. That's the name of his mistress is Alice. And uh, that's just the girl he's seeing. Uh, so we mentioned a second ago, Demetrius has his next fight coming up, uh, December 3rd. He's going to defend the flyweight title. And uh, I'm hearing a rumor now it's going to be at the Palms. Uh, and I don't know, if, have you guys heard how they're picking his opponent? He's beaten everybody at least once and some of them twice. They're actually going to have a TV show to cast an opponent for you because they've run out of top ten. It's like America's got MMA talent. We've got to find yeah. somebody who can fight you that we haven't seen you beat yet. That's got to feel pretty good. Well, I, I think it's a great concept. You know, to begin with, uh, they're going around to find every single champion from different organizations. So you got guys from Legacy fighting RFA. You have the Shuto Brazil champion. You have the Shuto Japan champion. You know, there's the UFC. You have Risen. You have One FC. You have all these different organizations out there. And just like, you know, there's heavyweight uh, champions in One FC. Legacy, IFC, Bellator, all those champions out there. So for me, they get to grab all those champions and put them under one household. And so you have an, basically a tournament of champions, and the winner of that gets to fight me. In, uh, Are you going to fight them at one at a time or two against you? No, just it seems one, like one, one, one guy. See, I was thinking that next in, season. In yeah. a unique yeah. twist, you're going to have the two coaches like, that are right underneath you, like number ranked two and three, and they prepare these guys to fight you when they really want the shot themselves. So it's kind of like a unique twist to the whole yeah. season. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I talked to Joseph and, uh, and Harry Seahood about it. You know, Joseph, I mean, you know, he I would believe he is a number one contender. I mean, he's on fight-fight win streak. He's beating everybody they put in front of him. But, you know, the UFC is like, dude, I don't think fucking nobody wants to see that fight again. And I was like, dude, I just you, you call me. I'm the type of guy or the champion who is like, I want to fight this guy. I want to fight this guy. Literally, like when a phone call rings at my house, you know, Matt's like, hey, this is who you're fighting. This is when. Bye, Matt. See you tomorrow at the gym. Bye. That's, that's how my conversation goes. There's no, I don't want to fight him. That's 
literally how my conversations go. So no, we, I we, wonder. I wonder with uh, with with uh, with uh, Joe Benavidez and Henry Cejudo coaching these guys. Not only are they flyweight contenders who want the next crack, they're having to coach other flyweights for a title shot. I wonder if anybody's going to sandbag it. Like, I wonder if there's a temptation for Benavides to take one of those guys and say, oh, okay, first, let me give you the book on him. First of all, he's super slow. Okay? He's super slow. Is it true that they're all going to live in one big box of Pringles? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was Sorry. good. You know, as we talked, after the show uh, got, up, uh, got done wrapping up and filming, Joseph said it was probably one of the greatest experiences in his life and his career, and he says he wouldn't take it for any, take it for granted, you know. And I, I think it's a good thing from doing. You know, I'm hoping I'll be able to do it one time in my career, just to be able to coach other people I've coached yeah. before. But you know, it has to be the right weight class for me. But I think Joseph said he had a great time doing it. Yeah, I mean, I, I also like the twist too that instead of seeing the the finale of two guys on the show that we've known are going to fight for quite some time. We're going to get a winner of the show. We're going to know who that winner is. We're going to have time to know him because he's going to be your opponent. So we're actually going to get a better buildup. Because I always find the weeks that they do the Ultimate Fighter where you don't know unless it's been leaked to you till right up at the very end who's fighting, it's kind of... You don't know who that person is. It's like a mystery guest that's showing up. Yeah, it's Benavides and, and Cejudo are coming to your card? Yeah, the, uh, I believe the coming event. So it's uh, some backup just in case. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That yeah works. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's a great card. You know, I always tell people, I don't care fuck who's co-main event, the very first fight. If I'm on TBS, PBS, after Sesame Street, I'm going to fight regardless if I'm on pay-per-view or not. I just don't care. Now, who, who do you think wins that fight between those two? I don't know. We're going to see. You know, I, I'm going for Joseph. I like Joseph. You know, I always got his back from WEC days to go see him co-play and have a trip in Australia. Um, it's a tough fight. You know, Henry Cejudo, he's still new to the sport. I mean, a lot of you guys think he looked invincible to me. When I saw him fight live, I was like, he's a fucking plant. And my wife's like, what do you mean he's a fucking plant? I was like, he goes in the middle, he fucking plants his feet, and he doesn't move, and then he unroots and he backs up. That's all he fucking does. And then so I think one of the things I'm fighting uh, that I'm being able to do now is when I see my opponents fight live, I'm able to analyze them with my own eyes in person and get my butterflies already out. So when I saw him fight in Mexico and I was like, hmm, everybody thinks you're unbeatable, but you're not that good. But, 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 yeah. Next question or yeah. next thing. Have you uh, now? What? Give me a give me an update on uh, how video game playing is. Video going. game this, playing is going good. This is fascinating. Uh, when I talked to I don't know if you guys know this story, but Demetrius basically plays video games every hour of the day. He's not fighting, and he only fights like three times a year. So it's pretty much around the clock, right? Yeah, that's right. And he, you do it. You show. I, I can tune in and I can watch it on your Twitch channel. Yep, uh, Twitch is Mighty Mouse UFC 125. So typically, if I'm not training or Spending time with my wife or kids. I'm basically playing video games, and I'm doing it all day, every day. You I'm so mad that yeah. you were able to figure that out because, <laughs> look, when I'm training for a fight, you know, eight weeks out, ten weeks out, I can use that as the excuse for, like, all right, a tough morning session. I'm going to sit on my ass for three or four hours and play video games. And I get left alone. And then, you know, the two weeks before the fight, uh, I get to stay up whenever I want to play video games. But then once the fight's over with the shit, you know, it's over with. You know, I'm like, God damn it, you know, I better put this stuff away. <laughs> but this guy figured out how to look over at his wife and go, putting money in the account. You know what I mean? Like, how is she supposed to tell you not to play? It's like, no, I'm actually working right now. Yeah. I just can't believe we've come to a point in society where, like, playing video games is, like, one thing. Now we, we kids watch other people play video games. And make yeah. millions of dollars. It's insane. Well, I mean, you look at fucking Kim Kardashian. What the fuck's she doing? She going out blowing money eating So you're the Kim shit. Kardashian of video doing. games? You goddamn right I am. <laughs> All you guys subscribe to the channel, Twitch, do it. But I, I, no, mean, I think it's great, man. You can make now. a living at it. Go well, ahead. They do. They have the arenas now. You see it down there. I'm watching it on the news now. $20 million for the Dota 2 pot. $20 million. 
for Dota 2. Uh, five guys five get guys. to win it, split it. And what, do you, what are you ranked in that? I don't play Dota 2. Why not? There's 20 million dollars. I don't like it. It's a MOBA. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's a, what I, games I like do you it. play? Uh, World of Warcraft, Street Fighter Five, Call of Duty. No, I don't play Call of Duty. Uh, Counter Strike. Um, I mean, fuck. Uh, Gears of War Four is about to come out. Resident Evil Seven. Are you ranked out, in so. any of those? Or? Um, Street Fighter Five, I'm ranked silver, um, which is pretty legit. I think at one time I was ranked like, uh, I think 3,900. Are you ever gonna no, play? Are you gonna play like the middle of your fights, like in between rounds, like you're I've, playing video I've, games? I've, I've, I played video games leading up to the uh, weigh-ins when I was fighting Hiro Sudo. I was playing video games before I went to the arena to fight Hiro Sudo. Then after I got done, I went back to the to the hotel and went on Twitch. I was like, "Yep, guys." Ah. Fight one good, things escalate real quick, but uh, I'm going to go drink some alcohol. You guys have a good night. See you later, Twitch. <laughs> All right, now, now when you're ranked, my, my memory of being ranked at a game is you enter your initials yeah. in the screen, and then they stay there until the power goes out of the circle K, yeah. hey, right? I, I got a good story about Am I that. dating myself? No, listen, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I'm, okay. I think I'm older than you. You are. So I was the king at a place called Noggles. It was a game called Track and Field, and they had a With bunch ball? of... Yeah, had that? the balls, the buttons, and everything, <laughs> yeah. and I had these little fast twitch fingers. Yeah. And but but you know basically. And, you, and then you still can't keep a girlfriend, huh? Nope. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the tongues were. No. So what happened was uh, people started pulling out their their combs and their pencils, and so they laid it down. Oh. Like this, you know, yeah. Buttons, more of a reaction. So I had all the records. I, I had really fast fingers. Guys would pull out combs on me and and pencils and everything. And my nickname was Fly, F-L-Y, because I could fly. So I had a bunch of events, and I was just untouchable. Anyway, I come in one day, and all my records are gone. Uh -huh. And they didn't just barely beat them, because when I broke a record, it was like by a hundredth of a second. This time, they got shattered. I was like, what the fuck? Some guy named JR. So I was pissed. Anyway, it took like two weeks, and finally somebody called me and said, hey, JR is at Noggles right now. He's there. And I just figured now. out why he's shattering your records. I go, why is that? What this motherfucker did was he got a Snoopy toothbrush, <laughs> all right, and he poked a hole inside of a pencil going sideways like this, and then he would just hit the vibrate. Fuck JR. Yeah. <laughs> he would just hit the vibrate and just, while I'm doing the fingers and trying to concentrate on when the, you know, the hurdle or jump, he would just hit the, uh, you know, the vibrate button. Ah, oh, shattered all my words. Where's the honor in oh, that? Dude, I was so pissed off, man. And so every basically, time this is the difference between masturbating for a man and for a woman. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fair. Wow. Uh, yeah, well, I, it, it, it's true, though. Uh, Demetrius is uh, this very accomplished video game player, and he's turned it into this little cottage industry. I mean, I've seen it before where like, I, I walked into your hotel room, and you're, like, talking to all your fans who are watching you play the video games, and you're doing some play and everything. And then I also walked in on a meeting of the Fighters uh, Wives Women's Auxiliary. They were meeting about this very thing. I don't know if you know about this or not. I walked in, and your wife was talking to some of my girlfriend, some of the other wives, and I distinctly hear her say, Oh, I thought it was ridiculous too. And then he paid our mortgage with it. This wow. Month. And they're like, what? What is this? He paid the mortgage? Now they're interested. Why are you always walking into places? What's going on with you? Well, just, you know, I'm a, this guy. I'm a reporter, all right? Yeah. I have to break news. Yes. So who's, uh, who's everybody got in the fight uh, this weekend? Frank, you and, uh, you and I were kind of breaking it down uh, uh, on our episode earlier this week. You liked uh, Diaz, right? I the do. 
I actually, uh, before their first fight, uh, I still picked Nate Diaz when uh, I think a lot less people picked him at that moment just because, you know, obviously, even if you're a fan, you're thinking, shit, man, nine days notice, and this guy's had a full camp, and, you know, you're jumping in here, and you're even having to, uh, you know, uh, that's one thing that actually aggravated me about the first fight was the Connor fans, the apologists saying, well, he moved up two weight classes. I'm like, yeah, but he fought a guy who also moved up a weight class. Nate's last fight was at 155. The reason why days couldn't make the weight, and so uh, he fought a guy who was fighting up a weight class also. And so, uh, same things. I think that no matter what, Nate's a warrior. He's only been knocked out once in his career. All his decision losses, are, or all his losses are by decision. Um, if someone can beat him, they wrestle him to death, but no one really beats his ass. You know what I mean? Like, it isn't like a, a fight where it's like, I owned him. It's like, yeah, you wrestled him to death. You know, if you, typically when you see a lot of his uh, losses. Um, no one's submitting him, and Connor's not going to submit him, and no one's knocking him out. And so, uh, you know, not that Connor couldn't win the fight, but if it gets out of the first round, I think that Connor's dead. Uh, if you think about it, like I talked about a little bit before, just in case of any of the fans who didn't hear our podcast, if Connor's very capable of rocking Nate also, right? So if he rocks him, the difference, and we know that obviously Nate is very capable of knocking Connor, rocking him. We've seen that. Except for if Connor gets rocked, he has nowhere to go. He can't change level, shoot. He can't clinch, hold on, pull guard. There's nothing he can do to recover. He has to sit out there and basically throw back after he's rocked. If he rocks Nate, Nate can clinch. Nate could just sit down on his ass, recover for a second, you know what I mean? Pull his feet up and go, all right, now what? If Connor's stupid enough to jump in, he's going to end up in a triangle. And, you know, you thought uh, <laughs> it's going to be bad. Who you like, DJ? It's hard, man, because uh, I think, you know, Conor McGregor, I, I believe Conor McGregor is faster than Nate Diaz. Um, he's also more explosive than him. I mean, you look at the first fight, he was out maneuvering him. And I think the biggest thing that I was envisioning that, they stopped the fight um, due to cuts um, because uh, Nate Diaz has a lot of bad scar tissue over his eyes. And sometimes you see it, he gets cut, people get cut and the blood, and the doctor's like, oh, you can't see, we're going to stop it. It's a liability. And Conor will be like, oh, I fucking beat you, I told you, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I, I really I really do like Nate in this fight just because he's he's bigger, he's longer, um, he's had a full camp. You know, last time he came off drinking tequila, he was actually in Mexico. We were at Mango Day. No, I saw that. Yeah, so did you run into him on the no, beach, no, no, too? No, 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 no. We didn't run into him. We got there a week after he got there, so... Oh. Um, but it's a tough fight. You know, I always look at all the fights a as an athlete, and I believe both those guys can get it done. But I do truly believe that if Connor's going to beat Nate, it's going to be from due to stoppage from the blood, or he's going to take it five rounds. I can see Nate finishing Connor because once he's done it before, and like Connor said, he goes, I'm going to go fucking forward. Now he's emotionally invested, so we'll see. What about you, George? Uh, Nate Diaz, same thing with what Frank said, just all the preparation he has. He's the bigger guy. And I think now he's winning the, the mental warfare. He's beaten him once. He's yeah. got a lot of variables on his side going, you know, that, that Connor has not dealt with. I mean, coming off wins is easier. You get a lot of confidence. They have a lot of momentum. But coming off a loss, it's difficult. He, he changed. He beat him up so bad in terms of, like, you know, taking away his star power that this guy now kind of is duplicating what, what Nate does. He brings in a jiu-jitsu standout, you know, a, yeah. a boxing guy, all replicating the six-one lanky frame just so that he can kind of get that field, stuff that he never did before. So uh, I just don't think he can close the gap in four months. I think Diaz wins, and he probably gets a stoppage as well. What do you got, Adam? Yeah, I would say Diaz, just because Nate's a big guy. Like, I stood next to him. He, I think he might walk around at two, 205, 210. Long and reach. I think if this fight was at 155 or 45, a sucked-out Diaz, I might give it to Connor just on that. But at a healthy 170, 
I mean, Connor must walk around at 170. You're talking about a guy who walks around at 175 versus a guy who walks around at 210. And it's just, it's just bigger. I just think bigger, more weapons. Uh, and I don't think he has the ability to really to hurt him. Like, I was at the first fight. He landed a bunch of kicks, a bunch of punches, but Nate didn't go anywhere. And uh, I would have to go with Diaz. All right, so if you guys were wondering what Adam was showing me on his phone, far be it from me to make this show about me. But uh, I, I have apparently ignited a mini controversy online here. Uh, I, and you know what? You, you don't even know about this yet. I haven't even told you about this. I have mentioned it to DJ. I, I was dealing with this ever since yesterday. Just go ahead and so explain So on the Underground, uh, which I love the Underground. It which says, is what? It's a popular forum. It's a popular uh, MMA website. Uh, the, he- the title of the thread was Weird Hair Guy at Every Press Conference. <laughs> and someone's like, I feel like I'm watching some kind of comedy movie. Every time I see a UFC press conference and this dude, he seems so out of place, but always has the best questions. Who is this guy? And why does his hair always look like he just got out of bed, right? <laughs> First comment in, that's the drummer from Cinderella. Fred Curry? Yeah. Lest anyone think I can't name the drummer. For, I'm right about that, aren't then, I, Benny? Fred Curry? Yes, thank you. I know the Kenny Florian's fan goes, does his hair get worse at every press conference? <laughs> What's his screen name? I bet he has camo cargo shorts. Yeah, and I then, camo cargo then shorts. he goes, the next guy goes, that guy gives me the willies. It looks like Chris Angel fucked a potato. <laughs> then someone says, Nikki Six asking the hard-hitting questions. And then he says, that's the guy that does phone booth fighting podcast with Frank Mir. They're like BFFs. Screen name And Richard I think he does Hunter. a radio show. Definitely a weird-looking fellow, though. Then someone says, Bill Hader in drag. Chris Angel and Agent Smith from The Matrix had a child together. Hey, 90s rock called. They said they want their style back. Man. I think it's Bill. And then, oh, I'd go Ella, with 80s rock. Then someone but all right. goes, Bill, beer and hot dogs. So, LOL, that's Richard Hunter. He's actually a pretty cool dude. He's the co host of Frank Mir's podcast, and he runs the Bunny that, Ranch. Yeah. <laughs> then someone says, that's Big Dick Hunter. Not kidding. That's what he goes by, Richard Hunter. And then someone goes, uh, the Bunny Ranch manager. He looks like a gloomy emo kid. Laugh my ass off. But yeah. Usually ask good questions. Uh, then, then it keeps going. Then people start posting pictures like you can't see, the guy from uh, of Bill Hader. And then he goes, LOL, a whorehouse manager, MMA reporter? I'm not even surprised. <laughs> All right. The first time you were on our show, didn't the Clearwater Beach bad boy call in and say, that was very cool. How'd you guys score Robert Smith from The Cure? Yeah, yeah, I think so. You've heard them all, haven't you? Yeah, but let me tell you what the weird twist this took last night on uh, Twitter. Those are all interesting. You know who posted about uh, about this? Like, none other than Angela Overkill Hill, Yeah. right? Former uh, UFC women's strawweight fighter. She posted on her Twitter last night, the bottle stuff was, the bottle throwing stuff was fun, but the real story is the hair metal slash shih tzu hybrid <laughs> that somehow got a press pass. <laughs> she put a picture of Mia. I tweeted back to her. I was like, well, somehow he's been getting a press pass for the last decade. Uh, yes. They just hate on you. That's all they do. They just hate. 
I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I have looked unemployable my whole life, and you, you used to be able to get laid. Oh, then, then like someone this. says, trust came, me. Somebody says he came up in Dallas, Fort Worth area. He did a night show on a sports station and got let go because he got too weird and political. His nickname That's is Big Dick true. Hunter. He got married on the HBO reality show Cat House. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I thought this guy was lying. Um, it was about, you got, why did you get married on the show Cat House? Well, I was there anyway. No, I, no, I, I just thought it would be fun for the, the wedding pe the people attending the wedding. Did the marriage last? Yeah, quite a number of years. Oh, nice. But I will tell you, you know, guys, and this is more for the guys because girls like weddings, but you know, guys, how when you have a wedding, uh, there's not just a, a huge surge of guys who want to go. Try getting married at a whorehouse. 100% <laughs> attendance. 100% attendance from your guy friends. Yeah, that's true. No, man, you've had some life. you got to write a book, man. I probably should. Yeah. Well, apparently all these people who watch these press conferences would buy it if it just said, buy weird hair guy. <laughs> Look, man, if they're talking about you, you're doing something right. That's what I'm saying. You know, I'm sitting there actually thinking that uh, you actually, uh, Demetrius has actually shaken my confidence a little bit in the Nate prediction when you started talking about the cuts. I'm sitting here thinking... Man, uh, if all of a sudden the doctors come out and they have uh, Connor's opponent, looks like he might be uh, questionable whether they can stop the fight, it might quickly get stopped. I mean, you look at the first fight, he was getting so busted up because, I mean, you look at well, all... I don't mean because he's hurt, but if he's bleeding... Yeah, they'll stop. They'll be like, well, you can't see... It might be it's... pretty controversial. I mean, and, and can't argue. Like, oh, the fight's... Yeah, you know, I mean, the guy might, you know, if he gets a hangnail, they're going, oh, stop the fight. It's over with. Connor wins. You know? Now, is there... The one thing I'm a little scared of... I, I want to make bets on this, right? I love doing my... I actually won my first parlay for the first time in four years uh, with Woodley and Ellenberger. But uh, is there any type of uh, thing where... Like, like that movie where the guy finally wins and he gets soft. Because Nate Diaz was like, I got $20,000, I'm driving a piece of shit, you go. This, I'm just angry, right? And now he's happy. You see him smiling. You see him going on ESPN Sports Center. I don't Diaz I, I, ever be happy. They seem like a pretty <laughs> ruthless, angry group. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think Diaz has always been like that. Even Nick Diaz, you know, I've talked to Nate Diaz, you know, and he seems like a nice guy. And I think, you know, when he's seen him, he's in that he's in that mode when he's like, I'm ready to fucking fight. Stockton 209, I'm going to slap you. And then when he's outside of the fighting, if you don't disrespect him, then I, I think he's fine. I think it's like any other man. He's just that he just walks that fucking line where it's like, you fucking disrespect me, we're going to fucking throw down. And that's what you, that's what you see 99.90% of the time. I think the, the eventual undoing of Nate Diaz is going to be when that point comes in technology where we do away with area codes. Because you know that's <laughs> coming, right? At some point, we will not be using area codes anymore. No when he has no 209 identity, I don't know what's going to happen anymore. I mean, he leads a clean lifestyle, like mostly vegan, right? Yeah, he's a vegan. And... Uh, I don't really see them getting in too much trouble, like get, getting drunk or anything. Yeah, I mean, you so. never see. I mean, you never see Nick Diaz like, oh, TMZ live. Hey, motherfucker, that's my weed. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. You never see that. You never see him beating women. You never see him breaking a law, speeding. You ch you see guys who are actually clean athletes who carry themselves well. Yeah. They just a did woman a triathlon like they, a month ago or something. Yeah, like yeah. So knock a woman shape. out in a clean living guy. Fighter gene too. He's so. I mean, he's a tough cat. There's no, another, is natural, man. That's so clean. Another Wait. fight. This fight, though, this whole card is hard to pick. Anthony Johnson versus Glover. Uh, my mind's going with Anthony Johnson. Uh, at the same time, Glover's never been stopped. Right. He's got great cardio, it seems like. And what happens if Anthony can't hurt him in the first round? I think Johnson will be able to. But what do you guys think? 
I agree with you as far as uh, if he can't hurt him, but I mean, Anthony hits hard. I mean, the guy, I, I was, uh, when I was in Albuquerque and Andre Alaski, they fought at heavyweight, came back, he broke his jaw with shots, you know what I mean? Uh, Andre's jaw. And so I think that early on, I think this fight might actually get stopped just because uh, the speed of Anthony Johnson. Besides, also, he's a dual threat. You know, if he changes levels and wants to throw hands, now he's the faster guy who has multiple threats. Uh, Glover Teixeira changes levels. Anthony's just worried about his hands. I don't think he's worried about him trying. Because, I mean, let's face it, Glover can come in, grab him on a leg, take one leg up off the ground. Anthony is so much better the wrestler, he's going to escape and not be put on his back. Uh, I mean, the guy over at Lassen was a, you know, a national champion on the junior uh, college level. Um, I think that the only way that, well, I think not the only way I should say that, but I think the best way for Glover to win is if he's able to survive those shots, which I don't think is probable because he's going to get hit a lot more and not be able to exchange shots because of the speed difference and having to worry about the multiple aspects. But if Anthony gets tired, doesn't put him away, then yeah, then you know, if all of a sudden you know it's at the beginning of the third round and you see Anthony huffing in the corner, I'm like, oh shit, then I'd be worried that it could be stopped in favor of uh, Teixeira. What do you think, DJ? I second that. I mean, I think uh, Glover Teixeira is going to be able, he has to weather those shots, and, and uh, Rebel has to be able to take his time, pace himself, look for the shot, look for the knockout shot, and instead of just going balls to the wall and blowing his gas tank, then you get in the second, then you get to the third round. Good thing he's on a three-round fight, so he can kind of pace himself. Um, but Glover Teixeira, he knows how to track people down. He's got great wrestling, and he has power, too. So we're going to wrap up here in just a second. Um, if anybody has any questions, though, we kind of concluded uh, our last taping with that, and we'll do that again. If anybody has any questions, we'll open it up to that. I'm going to ask one, though, while you're thinking of uh, if you have one or not for anybody up here. So it w I was thinking about this, uh, Demetrius, the other day. You know, uh, uh, Frank, uh, with, with having two heavyweight titles, has, you know, enjoyed the talk for, for some time as, as far as he's gone in his career, knowing that, that he's he's going to go into the UFC Hall of Fame and and go down as one of the greatest ever. But how old are you at this point? Thirty. You are already, I think, being acknowledged as one of the greatest ever. And I think at this point, I think you're in the Hall of Fame. Do you agree with that? Uh, it all depends, you know. Absolutely. How's that for a softball? Yeah. <laughs> all right. I, I think you're awesome. Do you agree with that? But I think that's true. I mean, I actually I don't think I could really make a case. Uh, against that. I mean, maybe, you know, uh, I, I just, I mean, you may defend a title more than anybody else has defended a title when it's all said and done. We'll see. I mean, uh, you're, you're kind of starting to see that record maybe off in the distance. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it would be awesome if they induct me into the Hall of Fame. You know, it's not something I'm striving for. But if they, if they do it, that's awesome. And, you know, that's the goal is to hopefully beat uh, the record and keep on going and hopefully never lose ever again. Demetrius could lose his next five fights and he'd still go in the Hall of Fame. I think so. I mean, I the, what well, he's accomplished is amazing. Don't try that, but I think so. What he's accomplished is amazing at different levels, excuse me, different weight classes, 135, 125, the title defenses. I mean, completely cleaning out a division. They have to do a, a reality show, for crying out loud, to find him yeah. his next opponent because the next best guy he's already beaten twice. And that guy's got a five-fight win streak, which is pretty impressive. I hope Joseph... I hope you don't mind me saying this, but I really hope you and Joseph do the dance a third time because, he, you know, he's gone out and beaten five quality opponents, so I think that'll happen, but uh, he's for sure a Hall of Famer. Of course, Frank Mir is a, a Hall of Famer, but uh, Demetrius is right now, at this moment, the greatest fighter, man, the walk on the planet, pound yeah. for pound. Until Jones comes back. And you know what? I, one other thing. You said, do you have any questions? Yeah. I want to ask a question. Yeah. Frank, you did outstanding here with, with the set. Seriously, everybody was laughing their asses off. I know you were in a zone, but... They were worried about the choke after the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I want to know, Demetrius, we need to get you up here. You're so comfortable with the mic, and I've seen you on Twitch. and That's that's a whole nother ball game. You know, when I'm playing video games and I get a couple beers in me, then honestly, it's just me talking. You got the rooster joke. I like that joke. That's a good joke, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't think it would happen. I, I like to stay behind, you know, do my Twitch thing. And honestly, when I'm I'm comfortable, I just basically talk talk shit back to the fans when they say, hey, yeah. you f- hey, you should talk shit to, you know, make some more money. And I was like, hey, motherfucker, how about you subscribe to the channel if you're so worried about making money? Five ninety nine a month, you don't have to worry about it. You know, I'm going to get paid Would, would the audience like to see Demetrius try it one time, the stand-up? Yeah. yeah. He would do like great. That? I, 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 yeah, I hope night. he rethinks it. Maybe I have a question. 2017. Adam, come in Adam, here that it. that will be the champion's eventual undoing, right? When he gets too focused on the comedy, and we run into him like in two years, and he's doing <laughs> a week in Columbus, Ohio. He's all he's all strung out in the dressing room, just trying to pull it together for his late show. Now, who's that? I, I thought it was your wife. I apologize. Who's the woman that's always screaming during your fights? That's not not her. But we, who is that? We call her the shrieker. There's a, every one of your fights. There's this woman that. Everything you don't know who that is. Dude, every time a black guy no. fights, there's someone screaming. Just Tyrone Woodley, I think his sister oh, was yeah. screaming. Oh, yeah. Rashad Evans, same Rashad thing. Evans, yep. yeah, yeah. Why is it, what's going on there? That's just it's like your just, number one fan. I guess black folks don't like the like, other black folks don't like other black folks get beat up, and so you had some black folk out there named the Shriek who just. <laughs> 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 but, people, but people have commented about that woman, Boy, right? You've heard about that before. That oh yeah, yeah. I think what fight card was that? That was a long time ago. And they're like, holy, sh- I wasn't even fighting. I was at home and we're, me and my wife were sitting there like, damn, that bitch is loud. And then someone goes, hey, my name. I'll say about the shirt. I was like, dude, I'm not even fighting right now. She's right next to me. <laughs> but I know you're talking about. We call it the shrieker. This, uh, the shrieker. Yeah. Wow. Demetrius is always my favorite guy to reference. Whenever I've told him this before, but. Uh, I get these calls because, like, my you know my friends know that I work in in MMA media and stuff like that, and I'll get the call where like uh, you know my my six totally out of shape beer gut buddies have gotten together to watch the pay per view, and they call me. One of them has my number. They call me up and they'll be like, "Hey, I got a question." All right, my buddy here is watching uh, Demetrius, and he says, "Now he goes right now." About uh, you know uh, 185, and he's asking if he now if he quit drinking beer for about four <laughs> weeks, okay? Now what what? Hold on. Okay, four weeks, and 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 doesn't eat fast food. Could he kick his ass? Could he kick Demetrius's ass? And I'm like, the, the, it would go so differently than you imagine it in your mind. You know, I mean, it's like first of all. He's going to hit you, and by the time he hits you, he, he won't be there anymore. Like, you'll, you won't know what hit you. It'll just be gone. And then, and then, 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 you know, maybe he lets you do the part where you stand there and, and hit him until your arms get tired. Now it's his turn, right? I mean, that's, that's always a fun argument to have. And it's kind of a cool, like, superpower to have, I think. You know, because when you walk around, you look like Frank. You're kind of a visually scary-looking guy. You're like the, you're the secret weapon. No, man, I mean, like, for me, it's, you know, I remember grappling with uh, Rich Franklin when he was uh, the world champion, and then I remember tapping him out, and he goes, what the fuck happened? And Matt goes, he doesn't stop moving, huh? But then again, you know, it's it, it's all in reference, you know? I've, you know, I could not imagine grappling with him. I'm like, holy fuck, you're strong, Frank. And he goes, yeah, yeah, this is what a real man would do to you, DJ. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I had to. I'm like, no! <laughs> Usually when I, I had, to, grapple, I had so. to share a hotel room with him and grapple with him by accident in the middle of the night. I was like, you're not at home. Get off me. 
<laughs> it's funny you bring that up. It's because uh, it actually works out the way. Sometimes when I wrestle or grapple with somebody that uh, uh, that's much smaller than I am, and, and I have to apologize because <laughs> I have to stall. You know what I mean? Like at a, at a certain point, you know, someone my size, I can't move, move for move. You know, hip, hip moves, foot. Blah, blah. I'm like, shit, man. I'm gonna grab your ankle and fucking just. You're gonna sit still for a second, man. <laughs> I'm gonna catch my breath. Give me a minute. I might have. You know what I mean? Like. Uh, so I'm like, it's not the most exciting thing to watch because I'm like, uh, I can't move. If we go move for move, you're going to call the paramedics here in about two minutes. You know? Does anybody have any questions before we wrap up? I, you can just shout them out. We're not being particularly organized about this. Anybody? Anybody have anything you want to know? Anybody? Yeah. Okay, the qu let me repeat this for the tape because yeah. I may not have picked it up. The question was, would you want to fight at multiple weight classes and maybe win a weight uh, championship in another weight class besides 125? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, the funny thing is that people out there, they don't know, like, the behind the scenes. But I've taught Dom Cruz, I'm like, dude, you know, if, if I can be successful and keep on winning the fights and, and, and break the record, that's my main goal. I don't care about the 135-pound belt at all. I just want to break the record. That way people are like, oh, you know, who, who has the most consecutive title defense? It won't be Anderson Silverman. It will be Demetrius Johnson. I think that's really cool to um, have underneath my belt. If I can accomplish that, then I'm, I mean, what's the worst thing that's going to fucking happen? I go up there and fight Dominic Cruz. I lose. I already lost once, so it won't be any difference. So I go up there, and if, if they give me the fight, I'll fight him at the same time. If I, if I win, I have the belt. Then I'll still go back down to 125 just because I like fighting at 125. I like fighting guys who are 5'3 instead of fighting guys who weigh 165 pounds. And then when you fight at 135, you're going to take win. Me, I mean, me and Frank were talking about this. Like, when you go up and fight another weight class, you're essentially fighting a bigger man, which is going to take more brain damage, more damage to the body, which can pro, uh, shorten your career. If I say 125, I can fight till I'm fucking 37, 38. I hope. I feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else? Yeah. How does it feel to win the title? You've done it twice, Frank. Uh, you know what, though? I think when you're competitive and you're uh, somebody who's driven, I think that uh, uh, having a title, it probably was exciting for about uh, 60 seconds, honestly. I think that's what keeps people driven is that uh, when we accomplish something, it's not as satisfying as you guys would probably think it is, which in turn can my wife gets a little frustrated with because it can lead to a little bit of depression. But uh, uh, when I go to sleep that night, when I wake up the next morning, I'm like, all right, well, you know, that, that's fine, but let me look at what's next. And it really takes the wife coming in going, can we, you know, chill out, relax for a little bit? So, uh, I mean, obviously I look back and I probably have my proudest moments about winning the title is when my children get to talk about it, you know, and, you know, my father won a title and, you know, he's champion this. I'm like, yeah, you know, and you guys, you know, you're better than I am and you could be, you know, completely pushed, you know, this is where the bar is, I expected more. So then that kind of gives me a, a very much of a sense of accomplishment. Uh, but as far as on a personal level, it's like, all right, fine, that's great. But, what's, you know, it's kind of like climbing a mountain. You climb the tallest mountain and you, you look around, you're like, oh, shit, that one might be taller. And also now you're just, you're on your way to the next mountain. See, that's the difference between him and I. He, that motivates him. I got named Funniest Comedian in Reno three years ago. I've been milking that for three years. <laughs> Anybody else? Are we good? Demetrius, to answer the same question, what, what's it being like yeah. being champ? What's that uh, like? You know, I remember when I first won it, I was just like, sweet, good shit, let's go home. 
Yeah, I go to work. No, I, didn't, I was working at that time. But then, you, you, like Frank said, you know, you're, you're always looking in mixed martial arts. It's not like the Super Bowl. You know, you win Super Bowl, you go out, fly, fly everywhere, do these big parties. Then you have another, what, six months to chill and, and live in that limelight to where you want it. In mixed martial arts, you win the belt. It's like, all right, you're going to be fighting. I'm, I won the belt in September. I defended it in January. Then I defended it in, I got surgery. Then I defended it in July. Then I defended it in December. Then I defended it this time, the this time. So it just keeps on going and going and going. So I mean, you really can't stop and take a second to sit back yeah. and actually enjoy it. I actually was thinking about that right now. Tonight, we're walking in, and as I'm coming in, I'm looking up, and on NBC, uh, Usain Bolt showing him running down the 200 meters again and stuff, and Raymond's watching. I'm like, oh, shit, you know, so it was there. and sure enough, the guy wins again, you know, makes it look easy even. And, I, and in my mind, there was a little bit of jealousy in the aspect of, <laughs> it's like, he'll always be the Olympic gold medalist at that moment for 2012, no matter who comes back in 2016. They didn't beat him. They beat whoever they fought in 2016. I'm sitting there going, man, the champion, it's like, you know, we're, we're kind of like, uh, it's samurai, uh, uh, um, who's the guy I'm trying to reference? Afro samurai, where it's like, once you have the band on, it's like you're fighting everybody. It's like, all right, well, this is, you know, what's your reward for being the champ? Well, now everybody's gunning for you. You're like, all right. And so, like, so for me to not be the champ no more, someone's going to kick my ass. Now, yeah. when, when you were the champion the first time, were you still working at the uh, strip club? Yeah, I worked at the strip club all the way till 2008. After I submitted Brock uh, Lesnar the first time, uh, a situation occurred at the club, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, there's a guy on his back, and I was trying to revive him after uh, he didn't want to agree with me about leaving. Did anybody did anybody test you and be like, oh, that's the hell, I can well, beat the UFC No, you know champ. what? Not really, because anytime I saw a situation get aggressive, I could easily uh, de-escalate de it quickly. And for the most part, most men, and, and, which is understandable, you're at a strip club, there's alcohol, there's women... Uh, Fighting shouldn't really be that high in the list at that moment, you know. So most of the time, because I was so quick to call people's bluff, that startled people. Because most guys have to work themselves up. They can't be. There's very few people that are detached emotionally enough to go hit that guy. All right, boom. Now what? Frank had you the uh, psychological advantage of walking up to the drunk and going, listen, you are acting unruly. If I have to take off this heavyweight championship belt, <laughs> I well, am going to be annoyed. That's the answer to the question. That's actually why I stopped in 08 after that fight with Lesnar because it propelled me up to another level of fame. And then I go and uh, you know, was getting ready to do the uh, re uh, reality show for Le uh, for, with uh, Noguera, which I won the title the second time. Uh, so in this situation, the guy gets up and his buddies go, shit, I think that was Frank Mir. You know, like, they just choked you out. I'm like... Oh shit, man, this might not be a good thing. Continue working. So that's when I kind of came home, like, ah, you know what? Uh, I got to get out of this. Because now, at that point, you know, the UFC got so popular that I couldn't just hold a regular job anymore. But now he's moonlighting again in stand up comedy. Hey, I, I said I, regular job. I got to tell you, I was, I was standing behind the stage, and, and most comedians are, are, are built, you know, more like uh, the, the average guy, you know, me or whatever. And this stage was creaking. I could, could you hear that from right there? I could they hear the back of the stage. <laughs> like, oh! Frank, what was it like? I mean, you haven't really told us. Oh, ten, on my part? 10 minutes you were up. And, and I had some, uh, probably the same uh, I, you know, thing with people when they look at fighting, you have an idea of what it's like to see someone go out there. So now it's my fight right now. You know, I've, I've watched a ton of comedy. I love comedians. It's probably one of my favorite things to do in my uh, off time is flip through Netflix and or be on YouTube and looking through different uh, jokes, you know, comedy and uh, different comics. Uh, and uh, 
so I had different ideas of what it would be. So, uh, you know, uh, Richard comes over to help me out, which I'm very thankful for. And I feel bad for guys that have to start out and just grind in clubs by themselves and just basically trial and error. I got to go ahead and work with a guy that was already a black belt, right? And so I sits there and he goes, all right, put down some ideas. So I'm out there and my wife and I have a little notepad. I'm writing things down. And as he, I know he's coming over that day, I, I put it on my phone. I print it out so it all looks nice, you know. So I show him and he comes in. He goes, what do you got? And I show him. I have a page and a half Adam, of he different had an hour's worth of, I mean, this went on for a long time. Wow. All right. So I'm going through there and I'm going through and telling him, like, hey, now this is, I can segue into this. And I actually already had a blueprint in my brain on how to go from all this shit, right? I'm telling jokes He was going to film his Showtime special here yeah. tonight. Yeah. I thought that's what an I was hour. supposed to do. So he sits there and he has that look on his face. He's like, Okay, so there's a lot of editing and bringing things down. And and as you guys probably are aware of, I'm very long uh, in the word uh, department. I I speak, you know, long sentences. And uh, that's one of the hardest things I was doing up here was trying to battle my own instinct to actually explain a concept. For example, right, I had to call my wife because I was laughing so hard because I couldn't do this. Part of the bit was for me to explain that I was a bouncer at a strip club. Let's role play it. All okay. Right. So so this is a, this is from yeah, this, yesterday. This, this is fucking, a literal this, conversation this is what that took place in Frank's house yesterday. Okay. So Frank, you you got some material about uh, working at the Rhino, right? Go ahead and give me the setup of when you were a bouncer at the Rhino. Yeah. So uh, I used to uh, go ahead and work at a, a strip club, a very popular club uh, called the Spearmint Rhino in Las Vegas. Uh, as a bouncer, I worked security, kind of a hosting type of position where I uh, didn't really, you know, you know, I wasn't a bouncer per se, I helped guys and get in the table. Okay, Frank, stop. Okay, so you've been talking for two minutes wow. and you haven't gotten to the joke yet. C- cut all that out, <laughs> cut all that out, and I just want you to say, I used to be a bouncer at a strip club. Yeah, that was okay, worth it. Okay, okay, go. Yeah. So uh, I used to, you know, uh, back in Las Vegas, early on in my career, uh, I worked at uh, no, uh, stop, the Rhino. No, stop, Frank. I said I the Rhino. Like I was say, like, I showed it out, right? Drop. Just say, I was a bouncer at a strip club. All right. So uh, I used to be... Uh, Literally. They, we did this for 30 minutes. I, wow. I feel like no, I'm watching... I called I up like my I'm wife. Watching. I said it right one time. Finally got it where I said... I was a bouncer at a strip club. I go, honey, I finally got it. I was like, it's Las Vegas with the Rhino. I'm like, shit! I said shit. Like, Fuck. Wow, that was worse than your Crow Cop fight. Holy shit. That <laughs> <was> a- <laughs> hey, uh, at least Adam, it ended well, right? <laughs> have you guys had any other fighters try what he's done? Is, is he, he's uh, not the first, Frank right? Trigg did it. Frank Trigg did it. How uh, was that? Uh, Frank Trigg did it. Okay. And, um, <laughs> oh, oh, Brendan's uh, good, right? No, I, I, uh, Leslie Smith did it. She did a great job. Dean Thomas did it. You know, I, and, and Frank Trigg did, did well as well. I knew that Frank Mir was going to be good, though, because being a good comedian is being a good problem solver, and the same thing goes with jujitsu. Like, and it's just kind of the same thing with wrestling. If you could figure out a way to make things flow and work and what X goes, you know, and I knew he'd be good at it. He's not one of these guys that just throws caution to the wind, other than your Todd Duffy fight. Uh... <laughs> Which which was awesome. I was there. I couldn't believe that. Fucking dad bod mirror is fucking. That was uh, that was awesome. It was, he talked way too much shit. <laughs> By the way, do you guys hope you get hecklers? Uh, no, no. I mean, no. you destroy. Hecklers, oh yeah, but you honestly. too. I would think. 
I, I never hope I get hecklers. I hope I get fun people in the crowd that yeah. uh, have a good sport. Like this couple that came. Uh, they met 40 years ago. Uh, they and they're were, still here? Yeah, they, yeah for my first show. Oh, wow. They have, okay. Yeah, they met at a, I'm like, where'd you guys meet? They said at a uh, prison. Uh, that's a true story. They were both prison guards and then fuck like jackrabbits. Uh, wow. So, well, so yeah, I, mean, I don't. I mean, I don't wish for the heckler, but I do like crowd work. I like yeah. to like you know be improvised with the crowd. So no, they're, they're still here. They're here from the first. Remember, I told you guys Frank Mir was going to be here, and they thought that was one of my jokes. I think uh, they just. I, <laughs> I think they just drank all those beers and then they couldn't move. Yeah. That's impressive. That's what happened? Wow. All right. Did everybody have a good time tonight? I hope you guys had a good time. All right. I want to let you know. Uh, you may have noticed this uh, snazzy phone booth fighting T-shirt I'm wearing. We're going to be, uh, Frank and I will be selling these uh, outside if you'd like one. Uh, we take cash and credit cards. Uh, we're, we'll be outside uh, taking pictures. You guys want to take some pictures, say hi. Uh, as I said, Demetrius rode with me, so he didn't have a choice. He can't leave. Uh, he'll have to say hello as well. And anyway, we really appreciate all you guys coming out. We really, really do. So give yourselves a round of applause. And... Uh, you can say that you were there the night that Frank Mir debuted his stand-up comedy, so you can uh, take that away with you. I want to thank uh, L.A. Comedy Club for having us out here. Uh, Matt and Joaquin were awesome to do this. Adam Hunter and MMA Roasted, thank you for letting us do this oh, thank again. Thank you. Man. I also have MMA Roasted shirts out there if you guys okay, want so to we'll, get them as well. Okay, so great. We'll have those out there as yeah. well. And we'll do this again, man, if, uh, if you'd be up for it, Adam. 100%. I, I, get, to, I get to meet fucking... Frank Beer again, and the greatest fighter in the world, and, and the Rick guy who Hunter. saved Lamar Odom's life. Yeah, that guy. Uh, we didn't even tell that story. Next time. And then gorgeous, guys, by the way, the OG of MMA broadcasting is gorgeous yeah. George right here. This dude. MMA junkie radio. Yeah, he's unbelievable. Him and his kid that goes uh, are uh, <laughs> great people. So, so we'll you. see you guys out front. Please come by and say hi. Let's get a picture, and uh, thanks for coming out, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs>